Thank you very much. You may be seated. And I want you to take the Word of God with me this evening and turn, first of all, to the New Testament book of Luke, if you would. And we're going to talk about the, the theme, the subject of our holiday club today. We were looking at the life of the Apostle Paul. And today, the emphasis was made on the word conversion. And the children learned about the conversion of Saul on the road to Damascus. And I want to speak tonight about this thought, about how every one of us need convert converting. There are two kinds of converting that I have in mind. And I believe firmly tonight that everyone in this tent needs a conversion. If you're here tonight and you're lost, you need to be converted. Perhaps you're unbelieving, never been born again. You need to be converted. But you might also be saved and still in need of a conversion. Now, before you pick up stones to stone me like they did Stephen, I'm not saying that you need to be born again and again and again. But what I am saying is that there needs to be a constant changing and conversion. We're going to look at that tonight. First, if you're lost, let me briefly talk to you. If you're here and maybe you know that you are not what you should be, you're not ready to meet God, you are not right with God, but the Scriptures are very clear. Jesus Himself tells us in Matthew 18, Truly, verily, I say unto you, except ye be converted, there's the word, and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. And Christ was speaking to a load of people who were, perhaps like us, interested in spiritual matters, interested in the things of God, but yet still undecided and unconverted. And they were talking about who was going to be the greatest in heaven, and the Lord Jesus pointed to some children, like what we have at the front, and he said to them, I'm telling you very truly and very straightly that except you be converted, changed, and become like a little child, you're never going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. I oftentimes think about what he meant about being converted and becoming as a little child. Somebody once said that God's people ought to always be childlike but never childish. People of God ought to always be childlike. I think about my own children, and, and when they see something spectacular, they are amazed. Their face tells it. Their eyes are wide. They, they, great expression is used. And something happens to us. We get a little bit bigger and a little bit older, and we lose the wonder of it all. We're no longer amazed at God's creation. We're no longer surprised by the goodness of God and we lose those things we ought to be like little children in that way children are very trusting aren't they you have to teach a child that they cannot trust everybody because they instinctively are very trusting and we must become like little children in trusting God not one another most of us have been burnt a time or two and we know that you can't really trust too many people but we must become like little children when it comes to trusting God, when it comes to living a life of faith. I believe children are often find it easier to believe than adults do, don't they? They believe just about whatever you tell them. They have lots of faith, and we sometimes laugh about it or scoff about it, but we should be like children when it comes to having faith in God, when it comes to having faith in His Word. 
Children will believe just about anything you tell them. We should be that way when it comes to the pages of this book. We believe it is God's word. We should become like little children. We must be converted and think that way. Children are also very dependent, aren't they? They need their father and their mother. They sometimes think that they don't, but they do. They need an authority. They need a father and a mother. And so we must become dependent upon God. We need Him. And tonight, if you are not yet saved, you need to be converted. The apostle was preaching in Acts chapter 3, verse number 19. Peter says, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. It's amazing. Somebody pointed out to me recently that nowhere in the scripture does it say that you need to go and do conversion, but be converted. We're told to repent, but we're not told to do something to be converted, but be converted because conversion is the power of God. And you cannot be converted unless you go to God himself. You can't go to church and then make yourself converted. You can't put your money in the collection bag and expect yourself to be changed. You can't change the way you dress and the way you talk and, and the kind of book you carry under your arm. That doesn't make you any different. God converts a soul. We're told to be converted. Repent ye therefore. Turn from your sins and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. You and I need to be converted. The psalmist says in Psalm 19, verse 7, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul, changing the soul. Some of you know that your heart and your inner man is very ugly. Maybe on the outside you've learned to dress yourself up and look good, but on the inside something isn't right. You need to be converted. You need to be changed. And tonight, if you're here and you're lost, the way of conversion is found through Jesus Christ alone. He is the converter. We had an illustration in the Holiday Club today, and, and little Paul took some euros, and he went to a little shop over on this side of the tent, and he tried to buy something, and the man said, Sorry, you cannot use euros here. You need pounds. You need to go and convert that money, or you can't use it. So he went over here to the money exchange, found a... A converter, someone who would exchange his money, handed in the euros and got pounds in exchange, and then he could go and purchase what he wanted. Your soul, my soul, is like that. Right now, the currency of your soul is useless in this world, useless to God. And if you wish to be of any use to God and to humanity, you must be converted. But you've got to go to a, an exchanger, a mediator, someone who can take that which is useless and change it into something that is useful. Jesus is that mediator. He's the only one that can convert your soul. And if you go to anywhere else, you'll never get it converted. But it's not just the unbeliever tonight who needs converting. So does the believer. And that's what I want to look at this evening. Luke chapter 22. I hope you've found your place there. In Luke chapter 22, we find this Brief little record, this will be our launching pad for the rest of the sermon, and then we'll refer to it from time to time throughout the rest of our time. But in Luke 22, the Lord Jesus is speaking with his disciples at the Last Supper, as we refer to it, the Passover. And while he's there, he's speaking about the things that are to come, and uh, there's all sorts of confusion involved in the conversation. And the Lord turns to Simon, to Peter, and he says unto him in verse 31, Simon, Simon, 
Behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Now we know that Christ is not speaking to an unbeliever. He's speaking to Peter, the first of the twelve, the protos. First in ranking amongst the twelve. And if this man who walked with Christ and believed on the Lord Jesus, if he needed a further conversion, so do you and I. So do you and I. He needed more change. Can I ask you tonight, would you look this way? Do you? Do you know that you need a further changing? There are some times in the scriptures that the word conversion uh, can be translated to start back again. To return to the start, to the beginning. I can remember what Jesus said to that church who had lost their first love. Left, pardon me, left their first love. Return and do the first things. You remember we all are in need of conversion. Let's begin with that. Why does the believer need to be converted? I suppose another way of saying it is that the believer needs to be sanctified, further changed. I think we would all agree that the moment of salvation is not it. That's the beginning. I think we would all agree that when a person passes from death unto life, spiritually speaking, when a person is born again, I think we would agree that it's not game over. In fact, this game just started. And sometimes, if we're not careful, we act like that's the, that's the end of it all. Let's just get somebody cross that line. Let's just get them to repent of their sins and believe. And that's what we're pushing, pushing, pushing for. And we think as if that's it. But we've only just begun. You've heard me say it before. Sometimes people talk like this. Oh, I, I repented of my sins 10 years ago, 20 years ago. No, no, no. You started repenting of your sins 10 or 20 years ago. If you're not still repenting today, something's wrong. If you call yourself a child of God and you're not still turning from your sins today, if you're not still changing your mind today, then something's wrong. Some say, well, I believed on Christ 20 years ago. No, no, I started believing 20 years ago. It's a continuous work. And we shall be continuously worked on until the Savior returns. He that hath begun a good work in you shall perform it. He'll complete it. He'll finish it. That's why we need further converting. Let me give you a couple of reasons why the believer needs to be converted. First one is found in Romans chapter 7. Because there is indwelling sin in the life of the believer. One of the best books I've read by, the Purit by a Puritan author was John Owen's book. It was a really, you could say, a commentary on this chapter, Romans chapter 7, entitled Indwelling Sin in the Life of the Believer, and a very helpful. But look at it with me. I think we all can relate to what the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 7 verse 14, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. I don't want to do. And what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. How many of you have ever felt like that before? The things you want to do, you can't do. And the things you don't want to do, you keep doing. You ever felt like that? That's what Paul's saying. He goes on. For then 
I do that which I would not. If, I, if then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that is good. And then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. There's the first mention of it in the chapter. Paul is converted. He is an apostle born out of, out of season. He's the apostle to the Gentiles. The hand of God is upon this man. But he confesses that there's something still present inside of him. That he has to fight every day of his life. I meet believers sometimes who think that maybe they're not saved because they have this war inside of them. But I always say to them, no, that's evidence that you are saved. But there's a battle inside. If there were no battle inside, if there were no fight inside of you, if there was no desire for you to do the right thing against that which is wrong, then there'd be a real problem. I never had this problem before I was saved. I wasn't fighting against doing wrong. I loved it. Now there's this struggle inside, just like we read about the Apostle Paul. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, the desire is present with me. But how to perform that which is good I find not. Oh, I feel that way sometimes. I want to do the right thing, but I just can't seem to do it. For the good that I would I do not. But the evil that I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, that I would not, then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. There's a second time it's mentioned. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Now the answer is given in the next verse. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. But this is a reason. Look here. Look this way. This is a reason that you and I as God's children must understand that the work isn't finished. You are in need of further conversion. I don't mean to be born again, born again, born again. But I do mean to be further changed, further changed. You need it. So do I. Paul writes in Romans chapter 12. You may be familiar with it. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And look at the next phrase, and be not conformed to this world. The second reason the believer needs a conversion is because of sin dwelling inside of you and because there is a constant conforming influence in the world today. And if you think you got it all and bang, when, when the Lord saved you and you bowed your knee and said the prayer and, and you got up rejoicing, if you think it was all over then, you got another thing coming for you. Because there is a constant influence of this world that is trying its best to push you into its form, to conform you. And the scriptures are clear. Paul is very clear. It's a command. Do not be, be not conformed to this world. And you are always the Christian. Look here. In fact, humanity is always in a perpetual state of conformity. All of humanity. You are either being conformed into the image of this world, or as we read in Romans chapter 8, 
you're being conformed into the image of Christ. For the Christian is a constant pull. A constant pull. Don't you think the world gave up on you when you gave your life and heart to Jesus Christ? Don't you think that Satan just washed his hands clean of you and turned his back on you when you were born again, when you were first converted? No, no, sometimes the heat gets turned up even more. Talking with a brother here recently today about the intensity of it all, of the pull of this world trying to conform us. I'm not talking about just about governmental procedures and ideas and ideologies, but I'm just talking about all that the world represents, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. All that is in the world, that's what John says. All of that is seeking to make us conform. And your mind starts thinking and your heart starts feeling, this is okay and that's all right. Always a pressure and a push to put us in that thinking of the world. You've got to be careful. We must be converted, conformed into the image of God's Son. What's it going to be tonight, the world or Christ? I wonder this evening, before we go any further, would you look this way? I wonder, tonight, are you allowing Christ to be conformed? Are you allowing yourself to be conformed in the image of Christ? Or are you allowing the world to conform you into its image? It's one or the other. There's nothing in between, I'm sorry. You're not going to ride on the fence. There is no fence. You're either being conformed into the image of this world or into the image of Christ. Okay, so then how does a believer find this conversion? Well, I believe there's a couple of ways that a believer is converted. We go back to Luke chapter 22. A couple of ways that a believer is converted, changed, further changed. And one way is where we began with looking at Peter. Jesus said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. I believe one way, one of the ways that a believer is converted is through sifting. Sifting. Now can I say tonight that Satan wants to destroy you? You've heard me say this before. I grew up in, in the country, in Ohio, and, and uh, my mother used to buy flour by the bag full. A big brown bag of flour. And she had this little metal contraption that looked like a coffee cup, but it was aluminum or aluminum if you're from America. And she'd dip that thing in there and scoop out a big cup full of flour and she'd squeeze the handle and there was a contraption at the bottom that would turn. There were holes. And every time she squeezed the handle, it would turn and the flour would come out the bottom. And all the lumps and bits and, and all the bad things would stay in that cup. She was sifting the flour. And the Bible says Jesus looked at Peter in the face and he said, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. Here's what he's saying. Satan wants to take all the good out of your life and leave only the rubbish. Are you listening? As sure as you hear my voice tonight, Satan wants to sift you. But, take courage, because Jesus says, I have prayed for thee. One of the most encouraging verses in the Bible. Although Satan wishes to sift us, and perhaps Satan has his sights on some people more than others, 
Nonetheless, I believe he wishes to sift all of God's people, to remove anything good out of the child of God's life. He wants to leave you with a bad reputation, a bad name, to bring shame to the, the glory of Christ. He wants to sift you. But Jesus stands beside us and says, I have prayed for thee. I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, I've underlined that in my Bible, when, not if, when thou art converted, when thou art changed, when you come through this, because you will come through this, you may feel like you've made a wreck of it all, and Peter most certainly felt that way, and in, in many people's eyes we say he did, he failed, and sometimes the pathway to conversion is failing. No, I hate that. I hate it for myself. I hate it for you. But it's true. Sometimes the only way for a child of God to be further conformed and transformed is through failure. Peter was quite sure of himself. I'll never deny you. I'll never leave you. I'm a strong follower. Though all the world forsake you, I won't. I know people who talk like that all the time. Perhaps I've been guilty of it myself. Sometimes the only way of conversion for the child of God is through failure. The Lord Jesus, you remember that first meal they had after the resurrection? He met them at the Sea of Galilee and prepared for them a little breakfast. And Peter leapt out of the fishing boat and ran to shore when he saw the Savior. And the Lord Jesus, then and there on the shore, restored him, reinstated him. He was brought through and converted, restored. Nobody likes failure. And sometimes that's what is needed. I have prayed for thee. I, I want to remember those words. Robert Murray McShane, the great preacher of Dundee, Scotland, one time said, said this, if, if I could hear the Lord Jesus in the room next to me praying for me, I wouldn't fear 10,000 armies. He said, but the distance matters not. He is praying for me. We know that because in John chapter 17, the high priestly prayer of Christ, Jesus says, I pray for them. And not just them only, but other sheep I have who are not of this fold. He's praying for us that our faith fail not. By the way, if you're a child of God, your faith shall not fail. It shall never fail because he prays for us. And if Christ prays that our faith would never fail, then we can be sure that it won't. You may wobble, you may stumble, you may falter, but rest assured He's praying for us that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. Sometimes it's through failure or difficulty, sifting, Sometimes it's through the valley of defeat that we find our conversion. But there's another way, I believe. Romans chapter 12. Turn there with me, please. As you're turning there, let me read for you what James says in chapter 5 and verse number 19. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. James was speaking again about that same particular way of conversion. There's been a failure, but yet there can be a change, a returning, a beginning again. 
And I hope that we'll experience it ourselves. But in Romans chapter 12, we find perhaps another way, the better way for the believer to find conversion. Are you listening? It's far better for us to choose this next way than it is to go on in our stubbornness and fail. Most of us, I think, if we failed in some tragic way, would be very quick and ready to be converted. But it would be better for us to take the advice of the Apostle who tells us in Romans 12, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Isn't it amazing that God is merciful? By the mercies of God that ye present your bodies. Here's the pathway to conversion that is less painful than the one that Peter trod. Present your bodies. Give yourselves a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Here's the other way. Presenting your bodies. Now watch. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. There's that word again. Transformed, changed, converted. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Those two things go hand in hand. A presenting of your body and a renewing of your mind. Those two things go hand in hand. When you lay your body on the altar of sacrifice daily, your mind is renewed day by day through the scriptures, through the word of God. Then we are converted, conformed into the image of Christ. That's a whole lot better than going on in our stubborn way and having to fall and fail, making a mess of it all, and needing to be restored like Peter. May the Lord help us tonight. Tonight, if you're here and you're lost, you need to be saved. You need to be born again. You need to be converted. But maybe this evening you are saved. You are a child of God. And maybe you've messed up like Peter, so you've begun to ask yourself, am I even saved? But it might not be the fact that you're not saved. It might just mean that you need to be converted. You've fallen and you've failed. But praise the Lord, He's merciful. And tonight He offers His hand of conversion, His hand of transformation, His hand of renewing, if we would by faith take it and allow Him to do that work that we need. Conversion. Well, I'm, I'm living my, I'm pretty, I'm okay. You better be careful. I'm okay, I don't need this. This is for all the other ones who are below me. No, 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 all of us need this. We need daily to renew our minds. We need daily to present our bodies a living sacrifice, daily. And if you miss a day, you're more likely to find your conversion the other way. The more days we allow to go by before we renew our mind with the washing of the water of the Word, the more days we allow to go by before we find ourselves presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, meaning, God, this is my body. I give it to you. I'll only do with it as you want me to do. The more often we do that, the less likely we'll find ourselves needing to go through that fiery trial of failure but one way or the other we need to be converted may the Lord help us let's pray together would you bow your head with me
Father, we confess unto thee this evening we're not what we should be and not what we could be. We ask that tonight thy spirit may use the mirror of thy word and reveal to us just where we are. Perhaps there's some tonight who are lost, dead in their sins. They know that they're not right with thee. God in mercy save them. May they hear the words of Peter, encouraging them, prompting them, urging them to repent and be converted. May they by faith tonight turn from their sins unto the Savior. I pray for those who are struggling, struggling with failure, struggling with defeat. We pray, Lord, in mercy, that in mercy tonight we might be converted. Oh, Father, please have mercy. Help those to hear thy voice beckoning them to return home to thee. Help them, Father, to hear the encouragement and the command to be transformed by the renewing of their mind. Help us daily, Lord, day by day to walk with thee, day by day to offer our lives, our bodies, a living sacrifice. Help us to walk carefully, circumspectly. Forgive us for the days that we have failed in this, Lord. We praise thee that we have been given another chance, another opportunity, and we ask, Lord, for mercy and pray for strength that we might have a singleness of mind and singleness of eye to serve thee and follow thee. Work amongst us, we pray. For we ask it in Jesus Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. Amen.